he had children and I had children and I just thought that we were bonding on a parenting level and it it just turned into non-consensual sex. He said, oh, I thought you wanted it. And it's clearly not true because I communicated the boundary and the boundary was not respected. But then that turned into an affair. This actually continued for another three and a half years. Welcome to the shame game. Shame thrives in secrecy but loses all its power when we bring it to light. This show is all about embracing vulnerability and finding connection through our shared experiences of shame. In each episode, we'll talk with a new guest where we'll dive into their stories and experiences and learn how to break free from shame and love ourselves just that little bit more. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to play the shame game. Hello everybody, this is Eleni for another episode of The Shame Game and in today's episode we are talking about the shame of rape, abortion, divorce and parental alienation and that sounds like a massive, massive story with a lot to cover there. So today's guest is Winnie Chan Wang. Winnie is the author of Honouring Darkness, Embrace Shadow, Work to Nourish and Grow Your Power. Winnie describes her journey as she was so full of shame that it was at the point of self-disgust. Winnie is also a professor in acupuncture at, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, Alhambra Medical University. I think I butchered that one. (laughs) She's passionate about teaching people how to release trauma from their bodies with traditional Chinese medicine and meditations. So welcome, Winnie. So really happy to have you here today to share your Thank story. You. I love it. Thank you so much, Eleni. This talk about shame is so needed in our society. So I honor you and thank you. And uh, all the listeners, please give a five-star review and tell all your friends because we all need to be inspired to share our deepest shame. Absolutely. We have to, we have to normalize what we think is just that we're the, we're so bad because we did X, Y, Z or X, Y, Z happened to us. And yet so many people can relate. So many people can, can, um, understand that what we're going through and what we've been through is something that they've been through. So thank you so much because your story is really fascinating. But before we actually get to the actual story, just paint a picture of where you were in your life before events started to unravel for you? Sure. So I am an Asian immigrant. I came to this country when I was 15. And if you can imagine not having any parents, friends by yourself, it's like everything you have to do by yourself. So at a young age, I already had a lot of me too, because it's like to get anything done, I probably got into the cars of many, you know, situations that I shouldn't have. So there were a lot of many sexual abuse even before, because I just imagine it's like, you don't have a car, you don't wear the supermarket is you just 
needed help and then you're like fresh off the boat and it's just prime target for people to take advantage of. So throughout my high school, there was already a lot of sexual abuse and I never told anybody about it. I was also um, bullied and discriminated as an Asian immigrant. And again, I didn't tell anybody about it because I really want to look good, right? In my Ooh. culture and the Chinese culture, we talk about having face. So if I told people that, oh, I'm in a different country and, you know, I, I am discriminated against, I was bullied and I had these sexual abuse, it would not look very good. So I didn't tell anybody about it. Okay. And so all these events were occurring to you. I mean, you said this country, you're talking about the United States, so people know that's, that's where you're from, is from the United States of America. And what you've painted is a picture where you really were vulnerable. Yes. Very, very vulnerable because it wasn't your first language. You come to a, a country where everything is strange, everything is different, they're doing things a different way. You've, you've been brought up with with a certain amount of different cultural beliefs. And so you put yourself in situations where you were vulnerable and you were at risk. And all these events started occurring to you. As they were occurring to you, what were you feeling? <sighs> wow, that's a great question. I feel like I have been on survival mode since I came to this country by myself. And there is a certain amount of like, just keep on being the soldier, right? Okay, another bully. Okay, just keep going. Mm -hmm. Okay, another sexual abuse. Okay, just keep going. And the idea of therapy is foreign. The idea of sharing my pain is foreign. So I just kept burying myself in what I call workaholism, right? So I, instead of facing my pain or processing it, I just kept studying. So that's why I have four science degree. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I have, you know, I guess the, the gift of all of the trauma is like, I have two degrees from MIT and I'm like the Victorian of my med school because I didn't want to deal with all my shame. So I just channel all of my energy into working, working, working. That's a classic, Winnie. So everybody else has this, you know, they go on to alcohol addiction and drug addiction and, and you basically distracted yourself from all the trauma that you had felt by getting more degrees. Yes, one after another. <laughs> that, is, that is, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, that's, it's a very, very different way to react to trauma. But, you know, there's many different ways that we react to trauma. And so... So then what happened? So because I was completely unsupported, I went into a very codependent relationship where he was my everything. He was my son. He was the breath. You know, he was my family, my best friend and my boyfriend. And I was very desperate and needy and I grabbed onto him. So then I went on to a relationship that on the surface look like a fairy tale because we never fight, we never argue. And, but then we had this really big fight where he decided that he didn't want to have children with me anymore. Mm 
and there was some manipulation involved in me signing off on the visectomy papers. And then that lead to a breach of trust. So in that moment, it's like the marriage started having fractures. Mm -hmm. And then again, I was vulnerable to other situations. And you might have guessed what comes next. Tell us. Tell us what's come next. So I had a male friend that I trusted and I was he had children and I had children and I just thought that we were bonding on a parenting level and it, it just turned into non-consensual, uh, you know, sex. So what you're actually saying is that it turned into rape. Yes. So you had a friend who you trusted and then what actually, what happened? So then I gave myself 24 hours to get over the rape because I didn't want to deal with the shame and I didn't want to tell anybody. I wanted to stay in my role as a wife, as a mother, as a daughter. So I told zero people, I gave myself 24 hours to cry and then I pretended nothing happened. So what did you say to him? How, what happened with him? With, because he was your friend. He was someone you knew. When I told him, he said, oh, I thought you wanted it. And it's clearly not true because I communicated the boundary and the boundary was not respected. And this is where I really got into the shame because I'm like, Winnie, how dumb do you have to be? Right? Like, how dumb do you have to be to be going to his house and sitting on his couch, right? How dumb do you have to be? And so it just, I just kept punishing and beating myself up over the, over this. Mm -hmm. Did you get any kind of, any kind of, was there any red flags or any feeling that something was up before you went and sat on that couch at his place? <sighs> To be honest, it's like I was also feeling confused. Mm -hmm. And I also didn't love myself at all. And it felt really good to have attention from another person. Okay. So there's, it feels like it's almost like a conflict of two parts within within yourself. One part was... We are friends and these are the boundaries between us. And then there's another part that almost liked the attention, almost liked, is that true? Was there another part that liked that attention from you? Yes, him? yes, okay. yes. And that's the part where you felt shame because it was still, you didn't say yes, so he still had no right to actually do what he did. So let's be clear about that. But you felt that there was a part inside of you that almost, almost, was welcoming the act that was about to take place. Is that right? Yes. Okay, okay, okay. And so you felt shame about, you know, well, I, I wanted it even though I said no. And it's really weird is that 
there was a part of me that enjoyed it and which made the shame worse. And even though I was like, okay, 24 hours later, just pretend that never happened. You don't ever have to talk to that guy again. <laughs> but then that turned into an affair. Okay. And so it's interesting that you gave yourself 24 hours. <laughs> it's like, like, could you give yourself any less time? You gave yourself one day to get over a major incident and to process a major incident. And, um, and then how did that turn into an affair? I think that there was some, well, more, some people will call that gaslighting, but I was basically talked out of my position, which is we should just cut it off. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because I know I don't want this. And so this actually continued for another three and a half years. And I just kept trying to break it off. But then he just wouldn't let me break it off. And it's really interesting because um, behind me in my wall is a Tao calligraphy. So I started studying um, this healing modality called Tao calligraphy. And when I first met the person who created this, Dr. Master Ji Gang Sha, he gave me one crown chakra blessing on the greatest love. And then I went cold turkey on this unhealthy addiction that I had for three and a half years. Because the reason why I couldn't quit was because I didn't love myself. Mm -hmm. And so imagine if you're so hungry even though you know that cheating is not right, but you're so hungry for love that you know it's not right, you know it's poison, but you eat the food that's poison anyways. Yeah. So when I finally connected to love, then I had the strength to be like, okay, you know what, this is unhealthy, I don't need this. And then I, I was able to um, quit that. Yeah. So before we move on there, with regards to that three and a half years, what was going on for you? What were you feeling? How were you speaking to yourself? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I kept calling myself a cheater, a liar, you know, bad wife, bad mom. I really packed it in. I punished myself. I beat myself with a stick. It was bad. Okay. Oh, and uh, I got unexpectedly pregnant from this and I had an abortion. And again, I told absolutely no one and I just did everything and pretended nothing happened. Okay. Wow. I love the way you just throw that in at the end. Oh, uh, and by the way, I got pregnant and I had an abortion and I again pretended nothing happened. So, wow, that was – and did you have a, a friend you could talk to at the time? Was there anybody that you were actually – because um, you said you spoke to nobody. So there was nobody in your life you could talk to. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, that's interesting because, you know, we assume that everybody can speak to one person, but that's not the case. You know, sometimes we're in circumstances where we can't share what we feel is our is such a huge shame 
with anybody because we don't want to show that part of us to somebody else. So how did you then end the relationship? Oh, maybe there's some shame around that too. I finally just ghosted him. Okay, okay. And then what happened with your relationship with your husband? Or boyfriend? It was boyfriend, wasn't it? No, no, I I I I was married and um so I had another affair. Mm -hmm. Years later and finally I realized I wasn't getting what I needed from this relationship and so I I was actually doing kundalini yoga teacher training um, that year and it was COVID. So, you know, COVID was such a gift because you just can't live a lie anymore, right? Before it's like, okay, I got to drive my kids to school. There's birthday party, mm. soccer practice, and I got to work. I got, you know, but when COVID happened, you have to sit with the reality of things that aren't working. Yeah. And it's like, it was like I had to beg my husband to go for a walk with me. And, you know, and then he didn't let me go to the beach with a friend. And, you know, it, it was like we couldn't go to a restaurant. And it mm. was just, I felt really controlled in that and not respected and appreciated in that relationship. Like I just felt like I was suffocating. And finally I just came out and said, okay, uh, we can either have an open relationship or you want a divorce, but you know, I, I decided to come clean. Okay. How, like to get to that point where you come in clean, um, that's a really, really difficult place to get to. How did you give yourself the courage to do that? So it was my Kundalini teacher yoga training, Kundalini yoga teacher training, because you, we chant a lot of mantras. Mm -hmm. So one of the mantras is Sat Nam, truth is my name. And when you spend every day just chanting truth is my name, truth is my name, eventually you just can't live a lie anymore. You just want to live in truth and you don't want to hide anything. Like I don't want to have to like hide in the bathroom to send a text message. Mm. And, you know, finally I'm like, okay, I just want to be open about my entire life. Here I am, you know, like yeah. love me, take me or leave me. You know, uh, this is who I am and this is my past and I want to love you. But if you don't want a relationship with me, then, you know, that's yeah. what it is. Because lying is really hard. It is. And it takes a lot of energy. And I love that, you know, you were saying that that's what you were chanting every day. And how could you possibly then leave that room and then, and then give some really big lies to, to, you know, your husband? And so how did it feel once you came clean? How did that feel? Okay, so... I wish I could tell you it felt great, but what happened on the day that I told him, he said something very bad about me in front of the children that broke mm -hmm. the trust between me and my children, which then led to something called parental alienation, where the children 
are on team daddy and they just hated their mom. So, you know, ever since that day, it's like my daughter is like, you are not my mom. You're, mm -hmm. I don't have a, you have no right to talk to me and I don't want a relationship with you. Right. So I don't know if there's anything in life that sucks more than, you know, your own daughter that you breastfed and raised and did all this PTA stuff, made all the sacrifices to your body, then turn around and said, you're not my mother. Okay. That sounds like a devastating for anybody who's a parent, um, for your children to do that to you is absolutely devastating. And is that still the situation now? It's better because of a lot of the practices that I do. It's, but then, you know, talk about shame. It's like, what's worse than like mom shame? Like, I don't even want to go on social media on Mother's Day, right? Imagine yeah. Mother's Day, Thanksgiving, Christmas. It's like everyone is posting this happily ever picture of their family. Meanwhile, for years, I can't get a picture with my daughter. Oh, yeah. forget it. I can't even have five minute conversation with her. So talk about shame. I mean, I think that one is the biggest, honestly, because yeah. it's like, okay, the rape is in the past. The cheating is in the past. The divorce is in the past. The fair is in the past, but this is current. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like you want to close the wound, but it's like every day you get a fresh reminder that you're a bad mother. And the thing is, though, Winnie, that it's interesting that we, you know, what we see on social media is not the reality either. Um, as, as a therapist, I would often see my clients putting up pictures of happy family on social media, and I know that's not the case, you know, behind closed doors. So by you having the absolute incredible courage to speak about it right now that's giving a message to so many people that are listening that you know what this these things happen and that doesn't mean I'm a bad person because I made this choice and then this circumstance happened and then this happened it doesn't mean that I'm a bad mother it's just a circumstance that are that arose out of a decision that was made when you weren't you know expressing as the, your highest self but we all make those decisions and we all make those choices. So I want to say to you, Winnie, thank you for having the courage and the guts to say it as it is so that people can actually hear it as it is and they know that they don't have to hold on to this stuff, that they can release it. So it's a journey that, you know, our souls have chosen for whatever reason to go through this parental alienation but it doesn't make it easy because you're experiencing it. And so how do you actually, how do you cope with that and how do you thrive with those circumstances? That's a great question. Well, there's my old standby, which is working harder. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's really funny because when I, you know, first happened the divorce and the parental alienation, I was like, oh, what classes can I take? Mm -hmm. Because I dreaded the empty house. I dreaded being alone with myself and in the kitchen 
opening the refrigerator and finding that there's nothing in the fridge and I don't want to cook. Right. It's, it's quite the opposite experience of, you know, when I was a mother, I was like, Oh, I have to cook dinner. Oh, I have to do laundry. Oh, I have to drive my kids to and back school. All of a sudden I was like, Oh man, if I can only rewind the clock and actually drive my kids and cook dinner and do laundry. But right now it's just me and an empty house. Mm. So I have a history of dark, intrusive thoughts. And in my life, I've had, you know, suicidal thoughts five times. And I just feel like I don't want to go there. And so I decided, hey, let's look at what classes I can take. What can I do? Right. So to just keep my mind in a positive space instead of a negative space. But, you know, every trauma has its gifts because because of this, I wrote a book mm -hmm. and I started all of these classes and programs and even nonprofit. So the story is that currently after COVID, 25% of teenage girls have intrusive thoughts. And of course, I have two teenage daughters, right? So I started a nonprofit for mental health, especially one of my mandate is to help teenage girls, but also heal mother-daughter relationships. Yeah. And I tell you, like, one year, it was so bad that on Mother's Day, neither of my daughters was willing to sit with me for 60 seconds. So even I cook a table of food, nobody came, right? That to that level of devastation to, you know, actually just last week, my daughter was in Japan traveling with baby daddy. And she called me because she was vomiting. And I'm an energy healer, so I can actually heal vomiting over the phone. <laughs> So I was, I was like, oh my God, my daughter remembered me. Like my daughter in time of need, remember mm. that her mother is her rock. Her mother is unconditional love. And her mother is one badass healer that can heal vomiting over the phone. So she called me and I did energy healing for her and calm her down. It's really funny, actually, the root cause of this situation was because she had frustration with her younger sister, right? So because she had conflict with her the younger sister, so in Chinese medicine, I'm a professor in acupuncture, in Chinese medicine, we say that anger causes qi to rise. Mm -hmm. So when there's so much anger, sometimes this upward motion causes the stomach qi to rise, which is why there was vomiting. So I get to ground her nervous system and redirect her breathing and meditation and bring everything down. And then, so then the vomiting stopped. That's it. It was just magic. Wow. Well, and how did that feel that she actually reached out to you, which just goes to show you, Winnie, that children love their parents and she's not talking to you because of the trauma that she's holding on to, but she loves you. She thought of you, she contacted you, 
And so, you know, it's, 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 it's something that's important for us to know that no matter what our relationships are, whether it's with our children or with other people, that it's not an indicator of how much that person actually cares for you. So she cares for you. And I believe that there'll be a point in time when this is going to, she's going to let it go. And it's, this is part of her journey. So your journey and your, your girl's journey, it's like, wow, you're both, you both chose difficult journeys in this lifetime, but it's almost like that had to happen. So you can do the work that you're doing so that you can share it with the world and impact humanity in the only way that you could by experiencing it. Yeah, actually. So when this time around, when I had parental alienation, I actually did the opposite of hiding it, which was, I told everybody, I told everybody how much it hurt, how much, how, how big the struggle is. And I actually got a lot of help. One particular instance was this woman who recruited me and my daughter to raise money for leukemia and lymphoma society. So, you know, last year, my daughter and I was in the mother-daughter fundraising team to, to raise money for a good cause. So instead of parental alienation, I was able to leave the shame behind, do so much healing work, mend the relationship with my daughter and to a place where we're actually a mother-daughter team raising money for charity. Incredible. It's full circle, isn't it? You're, that, that, you've, that you're doing this together, absolute full circle, and that's so beautiful. And so can I just invite you just for a moment to close your eyes, Winnie? You did that even before I actually said it. <laughs> you actually closed your eyes before I said close your eyes. And I would like you to just go back in time perhaps to that young lady who was going through those experiences with the cheating and all the things that you kept inside that you couldn't tell anybody else about. And if she was standing right now, right in front of you, what can you tell her? Everyone loves you. What else? Everyone wants to support you. Help is all around you. You just have to receive it. Mm -hmm. Ask and you will receive. Beautiful. Is there, what's the ultimate, ultimate message you can give this beautiful young lady? Thank you for taking on this big challenge because the bigger the challenge, the bigger the blessing. Mm. 
Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Winnie. Thank you. Before you go, give her a big hug. <laughs> yeah, that's the way. So what you just said is just so profound. It's so profound because there are so many people at the moment that are going through big things as part of the global awakening process. They're going through big events, big circumstances, a lot of suffering. And, yeah, the more, the bigger, the bigger the, the suffering, the bigger the blessing. And so it is, and so it is. And so thank you for having the courage to, to bring that out today. What else? What else, Winnie, would you want people out there who have made choices that are you know they think are not to their highest good and it's not in it's not when they were expressing in in their highest form and they are holding on to this shame and they are holding on to all the things that they've done that other people have done what can you tell those people yeah so i actually wrote down every detail of my story in my book called honoring darkness and I want to share one detail from the book, which is there's this thing called spiritual bypassing. So I was already a Reiki healer channeling love and light. And I know that forgiveness is good. I know that gratitude is good. So in the beginning, when I had the divorce, I just went straight to, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, and pretended that mm. I actually forgave my ex because I wanted to forgive him so desperately. I want, I, and the idea that I'm a healer and I am holding grudges is shameful. Like, you know, it's really funny. And also it, it's almost like I, it was really hard for me to actually go there and look at all the things that I did wrong in the relationship because I didn't want to look at my shame at how I failed as a wife. So this is true story. Huh? Okay. So two months after my divorce, and because I'm a healer 24 seven, I do this work. I, so that one week after my divorce, Mm -hmm. I did this exercise where I wrote, he is selfish. He is narcissistic. He has anger issues. He needs to heal his mother wound. He needs to heal his father wound. Where I wrote down everything that I am angry at my ex. And then I crossed out every he and put I. Mm. I am selfish. I am narcissistic. I have anger issues. I'm critical. I'm judgmental. I only think about myself, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I did all these exercise because I lead my clients in these exercise. And then I pretended that I'm done. So two months later, I was in Sedona. And one night 
I remember I spent two hours trying to put myself to sleep. And literally, I was meditating, I was giving myself Reiki, but absolutely nothing could put myself to sleep. I was like, Oh, my God, Winnie, what is happening to you? And then I went using my spiritual channel, I said, Okay, what is the message here? And then my guides told me, Winnie, you have so many regrets about the things you wish you didn't do, or the wish the things you wish you didn't say in the marriage. Until you get that out, you're not going to sleep. So what did I do? I went off. I'm like, I regret that I said this. I regret that I did that. I, and I went on and on and on and probably for 45 minutes straight. Every single thing that I regret saying and doing for the 19 years that I was with my ex. And finally, I ran out of things to regret and I fell asleep. Okay. So there's a couple of questions there. The first one being, because some people watching this show may not be familiar with the term, my guides. So would you like to explain how you receive this information from guides and what that means? So we are actually spiritual beings. Our ancestors, for example, our grandparents, our great grandparents, we can actually talk to them and ask them for help. In fact, I did that last night. <laughs> so we can talk to our ancestors and, you know, depending on your belief system, you can talk to Jesus or Kuan Yin. These are our guides. And what I find is that when I have a lot of shame, now I know with Open Spiritual Channel, I can actually tell my shame to my guides. And that is also one of the ways, if I really don't want other people to know my secrets, I can just give it all to my guides. And what's really wonderful is sometimes the shame is buried so deep. Mm. Right? Like, I didn't want to look at all the things I regret saying to my ex-husband. But then my guides is like, Aunt Winnie, go on the couch. You know, it's time for you to really do this exercise. I was like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah, I, I like the way you said um, sometimes the shame is so deep because this is how this show was created. Because I saw it, I was doing a meditation and in the meditation it said to visualize a scene where I felt shame. And initially my ego said, no, 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 we've done all the work, we've done all the healing, there's no shame there. And then this scene came up from 20 years earlier and it had to do with, with my son. And I absolutely was, I felt it in my body as so big and I, I cried for half a day. And for those of you interested in that story, that's episode one of this whole series. And this is exactly, this is exactly why I created this show. Because even when we think we're not holding on to shame, many of us are. And, and I feel that it's one of the most destructive emotions when it's kept inside. No emotion is destructive when you release it because it's giving you a very powerful message, but when we hold on to it and we don't share it. And so this is why we need to share the shame. 
So tell me about, you know, sharing the shame, what that process feels like for you. Yeah. So the first time I shared my shame was actually in 2018. I was attending this thing called the Goddess Makeover Retreat, and it was facilitated by the Moon Woman. You can look her up. And um, so there were 24 women in the room. And up until that point, I never told anybody about my abortion. So the exercise was that we wrote the top five things that we're shamed about, and then we have to read it in front of the women. And then everyone who shared the same shame gets to raise their hand. And I'll never forget because when I said I have had an abortion, six other women out of 24 raised their hand. And I was like, wow, because of my courage to share, then six other women got to heal their shame around abortion, right? So some of these women, they shared that they, they stole money, they took drugs, all kinds of stories. And actually, when we share it in a safe container, that is so powerful. And that's why I, I have... I have a lot of these um, support groups that, that allow people to share in this capacity. And I also want to share that, you know, the body keeps the score. So mm. shame is carried in the genitals. So as a licensed acupuncturist, I get women who have chronic UTIs, right? Mm. Like they literally have to take antibiotics 12 months of the year, as soon as they get off, they get a UTI. I've also had women who, when they, whenever they sleep with somebody new, they get a UTI because there's so much shame around the sex that it's literally stored in our lady parts. Mm. And that's yeah. why acupuncture is so powerful because the body keeps a score, right? We can have talk therapy is great. But until you go and have the body work done by somebody who knows what they're doing, that shame is literally stored in your genitals. Wow. Absolutely, it keeps the school. I mean, this, this is why we need to talk about it so that it can release in, in a public forum. And this is why this whole, this whole series is created. So when I first started to introduce you at the very beginning, you know, I mentioned that you felt shame to the point of self-disgust when all this is happening. Tell me about your relationship to yourself now. Yeah, so it was a really long journey because many years I was just absolutely disgusted by myself. What really helped was many of the spiritual practices that I have and also really opening up and asking for help because Brene Brown says, shame cannot survive empathy. So the number one thing we can do is to share our shame and let other people's compassion shine that light to give us like a hug. And that's why the name of my nonprofit is called Compassionate Transformation. 
right? Because you come into this space and I have this free online community and people can share their shame and they would be honored, celebrated. And yeah, so just like you celebrate me for sharing my story, like I welcome everybody to share their story. Beautiful. And we are going to put the links to Winnie's book and the nonprofit organization in the show notes. So please make sure that, you know, if if you want to connect in and this is something you want to be a part of, that you do connect with Winnie. So Winnie, this has been absolutely amazing. I really, you know, honor and applaud your courage, your absolute honesty. You know, it's really refreshing because this is where we need to be at this time in where we are in the world. We just have to be honest. We have to just get rid of the fake. We have to get rid of the BS and say it as it is. This is what I did. This is what I did. I cheated. I did this. I did that. Yeah, okay, I did it. It wasn't my best moment, but I did it. It doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't mean that I'm a bad mother just because my daughter's not speaking to me. It's something that happened as part of the soul journey for me and for her. And so thank you so much for talking about some very, very big issues today. And, yeah, you are a badass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's so great because now for what I do, I can hold space and people can tell me anything. Like Mm. if my clients come in and tell me, you know, I actually had one time I had a client. She is a woman and she told me one time she's changing diaper of a baby boy she thought about you know doing something to his genitals Mm -hmm. and this is the kind of space that I can hold for people even if you tell me you want to kill somebody because I have done this really deep shadow work of sitting with my darkness and so I am now a safe space to let other people share their shame. Yeah, and what you're saying is, and I just want to make this clear to people listening, Winnie is not saying that, you know, you condone that at all, but because this woman felt safe in your presence and she was able to share that with you, now you're shining your light on her. And now that darkness is going to dissipate and now that's not going to happen to that baby. Whereas if she didn't have the opportunity to share it because it was so bad that she couldn't share it, then how is the light going to stream in and dissolve that darkness? Yeah, exactly. I had another client who told me he watched porn three to four hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, people come to me and they tell me everything. It's great. I'm like the confession booth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a... I'm a therapist, so I've done 14 years of hypnotherapy where, you know, the stories just come in and then the nothing phases you, but you need to hold that space of um, absolute compassion for the soul that's going through whatever trauma they're going through and whatever darkness they need to navigate through. So thank you for that, Winnie. Absolutely incredible, absolutely amazing. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much, sister. I love you and thank you everyone for tuning in to this podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you give Eleni a five-star review. And yeah, I, I really look forward to seeing you in my future workshops or privates, whatever capacity you want to come and be experience this safe space.
Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to The Shame Game. We hope you loved it. And if you did, please subscribe to the podcast. And we would so love it if you also share it with your friends. Until next time, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We're all in this together and we are all worthy of love and belonging. And also, remember this, you are not your shame.